Welcome to Morning Report Top Stories, a selection of news from RNZ's morning news programme. The blaze, the Christchurch Port Hills fire continues to rage this morning. Now the blaze which broke out near the top end of Worsley's Spur Road just after 2pm yesterday has burnt through more than 100 hectares of pine forest, scrub and tussock. People were evacuated in Early Valley, Worsley Spur, Hoon Hay Valley and Kennedy's Bush and at least half a dozen properties were at serious risk last night. Now the fire has left residents shaken and anxious, evoking memories of the horrific 2017 fires which burned for more than two months and destroyed nine homes. 22 crews worked on the fire throughout the night. More fire crews, helicopters and monsoon buckets and planes carrying fire retardant are now fighting the blaze this morning. There will be a media conference this morning at 7.30 involving fire and emergency, the police and the mayors of Christchurch and Selwyn councils. We're going to bring you that when it happens. Evacuated resident Tracy Menzies also lived through the 2017 fire on the Port Hills. Like the last um, time it happened, we were out of our house for three weeks because the power was down and um, you have to, it, everything stinks of smoke and it all needs to be laundered. And it's just, it's even if your house isn't burnt and those poor people that were, that's massive. And there's some poor people in a house up there that have only moved back within the last few months since the last fire, so they'll be feeling terrible. A state of local emergency is still in place for Christchurch and Selwyn. We're joined now by Christchurch's Mayor Phil Major. Hi Phil. Um, Good morning, Karen. The status overnight, are you aware of any buildings or homes being damaged? No, not at all at this stage. Uh, There are approximately 80 properties in the Christchurch city area that have been evacuated though. Do we know how many people that is? No, I'm sorry, I don't. So no, fi- no. That's an update you've had, have you, from the fire service? No, no properties damaged overnight. Correct. I've just walked into the uh, emergency operations centre here at the justice precinct, and uh, that was the first thing I was told when I walked in the door. Okay. Are there properties threatened still, though? Uh, it depends which way the wind's blowing. At the moment, um, it hadn't. Well, just as I left here last night at about 10 o'clock, it had just jumped the Summit Road, which was a sort of a natural fire break. If anyone knows Christchurch, the Summit Road goes around the, the top of the Port Hills and it's uh, it jumped there last night. So uh, things uh, there's very few people live up there. Whereabouts on the Summit Road did it jump? Do you know? Uh, up by the sign of the Bellbird, up that area, above the... Um, um, cycle Park, Adventure Park. Okay. And it's burning what? Mostly pine and scrub, is it? Pine and scrub, yes, you're correct. Dead right. The Adventure Park you mentioned, is that being affected? Not as far as I know. The um, fans are just flying around in the helicopter now to find out the actual size of the um, the size of the fire because they couldn't do it last night because the helicopters are on the ground. Is it spreading over the back towards Governor's Bay? There is some talk about if it gets to the top of the hill and comes down the other side, yes, it will be going towards Governor's Bay, that's correct. So what does that mean for transport and roading links through there? Uh, if, if it becomes dangerous, uh, um, one, now one of the good things is because we declared the um, state of emergency early with Selwyn, it gives our emergency services more power to make quick decisions on the spot and control cordons. So if it's if it's dangerous for anyone, well, that'll, it'll be they'll be in action instantly. So what are the where are the areas that should be perhaps on standby, thinking whether or not they might need to evacuate or move? What, what are those areas that you're most concerned about? Does that include Governors Bay? 
Uh, not, not at this stage, but everything, as you just said earlier in the news report, um, 7.30 is a, a media stand-up, which the latest from everyone, including fans, is, uh, will be, will be brought, brought out. Now, have you got the resources you need here? So we know there's a lot of helicopters in the air. We know we've learned, well, we hope we've learned lessons from last time. In terms of the response, is enough being thrown at this? Oh, absolutely. One of the things we have got here in Christchurch now is this emergency operations centre. We didn't have it last time, and it gets all of the emergency services together in one big room. There's there's oh, dozens of computers, people working at them flat out. Big televisions on this on the on the wall. It's like a um, an operations room. So, how many helicopters is that? And have you had to call in any from other parts of the South Island? No, not as far as I know. There's lots of helicopters. I think there was 15 yesterday. You've got to be careful. You get, like, um, he's around the honeypot. They'll run into each other. You've got to be careful. Because, uh, sadly, last time, one, one person died. Okay, that is uh, Christchurch Mayor Phil Major. He will be part of that media briefing a bit later on at 7.30 this morning. We're going to cross now to our reporter, Charlotte, Charlotte Cook, who is at the scene halfway up Worsley Road there. Kia ora, good morning, Charlotte. Tell us, what are you seeing where you are? So from where I am standing, again, I'm looking out over a sea of houses up towards the main part of the fire. And since this morning, uh, the smoke is just growing and growing. It started looking quite like a small plume coming up this morning, but that has since spread further around the corner, further in the direction of the Adventure Park. I can see from a distance fresh pine trees going up in flames and the smoke is just black with the sun rising up behind it, turning it quite pink. There are other parts of the Port Hills that look to be more of a smouldering kind of smoke. I can't see active flames, but certainly there's a little valley heading through towards the Adventure Park direction that is well alight. And what about in terms of firefighting efforts? What can you what can you tell us? So there's just been uh, probably six different helicopters that are around the perimeter of the fire. There's one quite close to me now that is just dipping into uh, one of the resident pools, swimming pools to fill up the monsoon bucket and then head back towards the fire. You can see little hot spots uh, that they are trying to hit, but over towards the Adventure Park, there's a lot of attention going there and towards Governor's Bay, so both ends of the fire, they're obviously trying to contain it and stop it from spreading. Okay, what about weather conditions? We are going to speak to Met Service very shortly, but actually down there at the scene, what is it like? It's warming up. It's certainly going to be a hot day. Uh, it's a very, very clear sky, and the wind has, has dropped somewhat from uh, a little earlier this morning, but that is expected to pick up a little bit with the northwesterly, which is a notoriously warm wind in Christchurch, and that will no doubt make things a lot harder for firefighters to battle. Yeah, in terms of that, the wind and the smoke, so was that causing any issues, you know, uh, health issues for people in the area? There have been some warnings for people put out by Te Water Health New Zealand uh, to be careful of smoke inhalation, especially if you are at risk with something like asthma. Um, best idea is to close the windows and keep away from the location, but uh, it's not the smoke is, is currently sort of swirling away from the city, so people towards the, the city centre 
shouldn't be in too much trouble there. Okay, thanks for that update. That is our reporter Charlotte Cook, halfway up Worsley Road, looking uh, back on the uh, blaze up in the Port Hills. Uh, We've just heard from the uh, Christchurch City Council that around 80 properties have been evacuated from the area. We knew properties had been evacuated, but there had been some uncertainty about exactly how many properties were affected. We're going to get an update on the weather. Joining us now is Met Service meteorologist Matapelo Makabuklane on what the weather is on the horizon there for Christchurch. Kia ora, good morning. How, or what are you expecting in terms of weather conditions around that area today? Kia ora, Ingrid. Uh, yes, so as Charlotte said, winds currently are fairly light, but they are expected to pick up once again this afternoon. Yesterday, we saw wind speeds in the region of about 40 to 50 kilometres per hour, and we can expect something quite similar later on today. And same direction? Yep, so we're expecting that northwesterly to come through once again um, later this afternoon, and then that's when we'll really see those winds starting to pick up once again. And how long are you expecting those winds to be gusty for? These winds are coming with a front that is currently moving up the South Island. So that front is expected to bring a wind change and a drop in those winds. And that is expected to reach the Christchurch region later tonight. So the bulk of the afternoon is still going to be quite windy, but we are expecting a bit of relief later on tonight. Okay, so things will improve later on tonight and and continue from there? Into Friday, we are expecting those winds to remain lighter than what they've been over the last few days, thanks to that wind change. Uh, however, later on into the weekend, uh, especially towards the end of the weekend, we, we could see those winds picking up once again. So hopefully that fire would have been contained by then. Yeah, what about any rain? This front, as it moves through, is expected to bring a little bit of showers. Unfortunately, nothing that could enough to douse those fires so we could see a little bit of those showers but yeah again nothing that is going to be too much and that front that's going to bring a heavy rain to the west of the south island is that right Yes, that's right. The Westland Ranges, as well as parts of Fiordland, are currently under a watch for heavy rain, um, and that is for the bulk of today. And then we've got, um, excuse me, a warning for heavy rain, um, and then we've got a watch for heavy rain in the Grey District until Friday noon. Mm, okay, so this is a sort of typical weather system we see moving up the South Island, where it dumps all that rain on the west and, and produces those fern uh, winds in the east. That's exactly right. It's a very typical system that we would expect. That rain, that that airflow is very moist on the western side of the South Island. However, thanks to well, because of the, the Southern Alps, um, by the time that air reaches the coastline on the east, it is very dry, very warm, and then uh, very conducive to these hot and dry conditions. Yeah. What kind of temperatures are, are you expecting around Christchurch and on that eastern side? For today, we could see maximum temperatures in the region of about 27, 28 degrees, maybe a little bit warmer, uh, so maybe very similar to what it was yesterday. Uh, a few uh, months ago, I think it was, the Met Service set up an alert system, a text alert system in terms of uh, warning people who were in the path of uh, a wildfire. Do you know, was that system uh, stood up this time? 
So that push notification has been effect, in effect over the last few weeks. Uh, so for people who have enabled that functionality in their MedService app, uh, will be receiving um, alerts when the fire conditions are extreme for their area. So uh, yeah, a good reminder for people who have the app, um, if you have that, fun- that, not- that functionality, uh, be sure to turn it on and then you'll be alerted for those extreme fire conditions. Okay, thank you for the update. That was MetService meteorologist Matapelo Makabuklane with a weather update there for the Christchurch area. Not a lot of good news. Uh, the wind is expected to pick up again this afternoon, back up around 40 or 50 uh, k's an hour there. Well, Dame Lisa Carrington bagged herself a Halberg hat-trick at the annual Sport Awards in Auckland last night. The Olympic and world champion kayaker won the Supreme Halberg Sports Award for the third time at the glitzy event at Spark Arena. Sports reporter Jonty Dine was on the red carpet. One of New Zealand's most decorated athletes continues to grow her legacy. A sixth Sportswoman of the Year award and a third Supreme Award winner marked another sensational year for Dame Lisa Carrington. Carrington pipped cyclist Aaron Gate, double New Zealand para sportsman Cameron Leslie, and the Black Ferns Sevens team to win the top prize. The amount of amazing athletes here is wicked and being recognised um, alongside them is really special. Despite having previously won the title in 2016 and 2021, Carrington says the honour has not waned. It's just wicked just to be here and to celebrate sport and really it's an acknowledgement of you know the, the wider team and the people that help me. Carrington hopes it won't be the last title she brings home this year with her eyes on another Olympic medal in Paris. It's a big year but I don't know I'm super excited. We've got such an awesome team on and off the water so yeah it's a I don't know I guess it's just so special and I'm just so privileged to do what I do so yeah, it's exciting. I can't wait. Rounding out the success for Kiwi kayakers, Gordon Walker won Coach of the Year for a fifth time, having guided the New Zealand team to three world titles. Making history as the first cyclist to win Sportsman of the Year, Aaron Gate beat out All Black Artie Sevilla, squash player Paul Cole, golfer Ryan Fox, and motor racing driver Shane Van Gisbergen. Didn't expect it at all. I kind of joked before coming here tonight when people had asked me if I prepared a speech, I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure they'd give you a knock on the shoulder or something, you know, if you were actually going to win and then actually did win it. So, yeah, it's a huge honour um, to be amongst the, the other people that have won this award in the past and even, you know, the people that were here tonight. So it, it really does mean a lot. Double New Zealand representative Cameron Leslie was named Para-Athlete of the Year for his performances at the World Para Swimming Championships and Wheelchair Rugby World Cup. There's some pretty strong competition in this category every single year. I mean, G Soph's dominated it for so long because she's been such a dominant athlete as well, but it's it's pretty up there. Yeah, there just weren't the role models around that we have now today, which is really cool to be part of that um, and to be flying the flag and showing people what you can achieve even if you're missing limbs or whatever it might be that you're, is your impairment. Taking home team of the year was the Black Ferns Sevens, following their unprecedented success in the Sevens World Series. Kelly Brazier accepted the award on behalf of the team and said they are driven by inspiring future female rugby players. Stoked on behalf of the team to, to receive the award. There's obviously a lot of hard work uh, that went in last year, I guess, to, to win the series, and I guess this is kind of just a bonus on top. We've got some pretty pretty special individuals in our group and just genuine love for one another so it's special to just be surrounded by these girls day in day out.
Speed climber Julian David won the Emerging Talent Award and was delighted to bring attention to the niche sport. Oh, pretty stoked. I mean, I wasn't really expecting to win, so it's a great feeling. I was saying it adds a bit of pressure now because people definitely know my name, so when I head to the competitions, I have to really make sure I do well. <laughs> so Wayne Smith was awarded the Leadership Award and said it was a confronting moment to have his career celebrated. I've been in the game a long time and I've had as many failures as, as wins, so... Um, yeah, feel proud, but yeah, really humbled by it. You know, in rugby, we like to talk about ourselves as, as team people, and that, that's probably the most important person you can be as a team person. And in the only award voted for by the public, the Warriors claimed Sporting Moment of the Year for their epic comeback win against the Sharks. Captain Tohu Harris was surprised to have beaten out moments such as Sam Whitelock's clutch turnover in the Rugby World Cup quarterfinal and Hannah Wilkinson's historic goal at Eden Park. There's some pretty cool moments, um, like Ryan Fox winning the, the tournament against, against the best players in the whole world, and, and yeah, the goal against Norway. So there's some, been a whole heap of special moments in different sports throughout the year, and it just shows how much the fans um, got on the bandwagon, got on the, on the wave. Yes, indeed. Uh, that was uh, sports reporter Jonty Dine wrapping up the Helberg Awards last night. Dame, Caring, uh, Dame Lisa Carrington taking out the top award there. We'll go across now to the fire and emergency briefing for the Christchurch uh, Port Hills fire. Let's pick that up now. So we have 80 firefighters uh, on the ground at the moment and we already have 12 helicopters in the air. Uh, we're putting a, a retardant line uh, up around uh, with fixed wing aircraft this morning. Uh, we are aware wind gusts uh, from the northwest will build from about lunchtime, uh, so suppression will be key for us this morning. Fortunately, at this stage, we haven't lost any structures, thanks to the great efforts of our crews out there. The main fire is around Summit Road. Crews have successfully put a fire break in uh, around Worsley Spur to Dyers Pass Road. So our approach today will be to hit the fire hard with the resources we have at hand already, including a concentrated air attack with 13 helicopters, two fixed-wing aircraft, and our commanders on the scene are all very, very experienced. They have a plan in place, and this will be actioned by both our career and volunteer firefighters that we have on scene today. It's too early to give assurances that we will have this fire controlled. So this will be assessed throughout the day and we will keep our communities informed of our progress. I can give confidence to our communities that our crews will continue to work tirelessly alongside our partner agencies until this fire is contained and under control. I just want to take this opportunity to commend our firefighters, our officers and our commanders for their efforts in this very challenging conditions, who have remained focused on keeping communities safe and protecting their properties. I also want to give credit to our helicopter crews for all their efforts, working professionally together to help us fight this fire. Fire and Emergency New Zealand, New Zealand Police and Civil Defence uh, all came together yesterday and uh, to work through um, what a declaration would look like. And that request was actioned swiftly by both the mayors of Christchurch and Selwyn. 
based on our recommendations. And I commend them for acting swiftly. Lastly, from me, a big thank you to our communities for their cooperation by evacuating their properties that we believe were in harm's way. We understand the effects this will have on the people. Our crews and police uh, take a measured approach when assessing whether an evacuation needs to happen. Uh, we don't take it lightly, and we have the best interests of you and your whanau, so please continue to work with us if we need further evacuations throughout the day. As soon as it is safe to do so, uh, we will ensure we will get you back into your homes. Thank you. Nami. So that's fire and emergency there giving that briefing this morning. Uh, I think police are picking up now as well. But the key information to come from that was that thankfully no buildings were lost overnight. Uh, it's clearly the fire is still not contained. They are uh, fire emergency saying they're going to hit this very hard this morning because the weather conditions are going to deteriorate towards uh, the afternoon uh, when that north westerly wind uh, picks up. 13 helicopters will be in the air this morning fighting that with retardant. And the main area of concern is between... Uh, Summit Road between Worsley and Dyers Pass. Now let's just see, we're going to go back to the police. I'll just see if we can pick up the police. Staff into those areas where houses have been evacuated or in near vicinities to um, just make sure there is a police presence there to help our community. The, the, the current issue we have found mainly is what I would call disaster tourists, people who are going into the area to have a look. Um, they are making it very hard for all those involved in the firefighting. This includes uh, trying to get equipment in, such as uh, firefighting equipment or heavy earth-moving equipment, getting in the way of that by blocking roads. Also, it includes um, those residents who are genuinely trying to get back to their houses to move stuff out, and they can't get to their own houses or get away because of people blocking the roads being sightseen. So we encourage people to keep out of the way, to let the firefighters get do their job, and also to get the affected community to be able to get into their area if required. Uh, we'll be, it is a fluid operation, so we are ready in terms of staff to deploy in terms of evacuating other areas or providing further reassurance patrols or moving cordons as required. As you know, these are a, the tempo can change with a fire very quickly, and we have to be able to be agile with that. Um, at that stage, I have nothing further to add. Okay, that was Christchurch Police there, just speaking at that briefing with Fire and Emergency about the Port Hills fire. Kiwi Rail is beginning the process of cancelling its contract with an overseas boat builder for two new inter-islander ferries. Now, the government declined a request for more funding to buy the ferries and the upgrade of two ports late last year. Kiwi Rail is now seeking to terminate that contract. Finance Minister Nicola Willis uh, is with us now. Kia ora, good morning. Kia ora, good morning, Corinne. Now, just first, I wonder, you will be keeping a very close watch. I imagine this is a local operation in Christchurch with the fire, but the government would have a pretty keen interest with civil defence. Are you, are you seeing, from what you're seeing so far, this is in hand for, a lo- for the local authorities? Look, we are watching it very closely. I've spoken this morning with Emergency Management Minister Mark Mitchell, who is on the ground 
uh, at the uh, emergency centre. Uh, he tells me that our emergency, emergency personnel are doing an incredible job. Uh, they've managed to ensure there has been no loss of life or injury uh, at this point, and that's how we all want to see it stay. I know this will be a cause of real anxiety for people in the area, but just keep listening to those instructions, follow those instructions, and I'm sure we all wish our first responders all the very best as they fight that fire today. Indeed. All right, Kiwi Rail. Can you give New Zealanders an assurance they'll have a functioning ferry service in three, three or so years' time when the current ferries are no longer fit for purpose? They will have something that will be reliable, safe, and, uh, and well-functioning? Yes, I can. And I'd point out to you, Corin that as we uh, talk today, there are two ferry services that cross the strait. There's the Kiwi Rail Inter-Island Service and there's also the Blue Bridge Service, which runs an efficient service without a single dollar of taxpayer money. Okay. Can you also give New Zealanders an assurance that we will continue to have rail services interconnected between the South and North Island? Because if you move to a situation where you're offloading, you don't have a rail-capable ferry, that's going to diminish rail in this country, isn't it? Uh, Look, no, I don't necessarily think that's the case. It is absolutely the case that we need to be able to move freight off trains and onto ferries and to have an efficient system for doing that because we want to continue to see really good rail freight options in both the North and South Island and therefore a connection between the two islands. But that doesn't necessarily mean trains rolling onto ferries. It could mean containers being taken off train carriages and then being put onto the ferries. There are a number of options and we want to keep all options on the table so that we're delivering a safe, reliable service. This is going to be a lot harder, isn't it, to find a replacement ferry that you can roll trains onto. So you might run into a situation where we don't have that in the future. Is that a possibility? Absolutely, that's a possibility. We're putting all options on the table uh, and it is, you're right to identify, much easier to find ferries Uh, that uh, aren't rail-enabled in that way. There's a lot more options on the table uh, if we don't uh, have that requirement. Given that, and that that would cost more, could we end up in a situation where you end up paying almost the same as the cost of these new ferries anyway, by the time you've bought new ferries and you add in those added costs? Well, what had really blown out the costs of Project Irex, which had quadrupled in cost from the original business case, wasn't actually the price of the ships. It was the price of the portside infrastructure. The ships themselves were only 20% of the cost, but because they were uh, so large, much, much larger than the existing ferries, they were going to require a huge investment in different infrastructure at the port. And importantly, infrastructure that other port users wouldn't have had use of. So we want to make sure that the investments we're making work for all port users uh, and that they're a logical investment. Uh, and so actually you've got to look at the infrastructure alongside the ships and not just think about the ships. Kiwi Rail, uh, they're also obviously in, in the gun at the moment in Auckland over the Auckland Transport Rail situation. Do you have confidence in the management and board of Kiwi Rail? I do. They will be fronting up to a parliamentary select committee today uh, for three hours. So they will be asking a lot of questions, answering a lot of questions about their performance, I'm sure. I will also be meeting with the chair and chief executive this afternoon, uh, both to talk to them about what's going on with the trains in Auckland uh, and also to ensure that we're making progress on getting replacement ships so that we have a safe, reliable ferry service into the future. Okay, a couple of other quick issues which I think we need to talk about. Uh, Firstly, urgency 
criticism, opposition criticism that your government is pushing through legislation indexing benefits back to inflation that will lead to an increase in child poverty of 7,000. This is according to the regulatory impact statement with the bill. Why are you pushing through a bill like that under urgency given that potential impact? Well, the reason we're doing that urgently is if we didn't make this change ahead of April, then actually benefits would go up by less because as the legislation currently stands, uh, those benefits would be tagged to wage growth, uh, which would mean a lower increase uh, than with the attachment to inflation uh, that we prefer. So we've made a principled decision to make this change ahead of 1 April so that beneficiaries uh, real income. You could allow eroded. it. You could get it through. It doesn't have to be in one day. I mean, there's opp- this seems to be debated, doesn't it? Well, we've got a very clear mandate to make this change. We campaigned on it. It is a simple legislative measure, uh, and we stand by the policy. The other issue, there's uh, reports with IRD fronting up to Select Committee yesterday that your de- deductibility on Uh, rental properties, the changes you're proposing to make there will be retrospective and then it could in fact mean refunds for some landlords. Is that correct? To be fair to the IRD Commissioner, they were uh, Deputy Commissioner, they were asked to comment on a range of uh, hypothetical scenarios as I understand it. The government hasn't yet announced our uh, policy on interest deductibility. We will do so shortly ahead of the budget and we'll make the details clear well, at that time. The coalition document though quite clearly says that it will be in that year, right? So it has to be, is it, is it retrospective or not? Uh, as you'll appreciate, Corin, uh, the commitment in the coalition document is uh, one line. The details of the policy and how it will be implemented are subject to is that line ambiguous, and is final it? decisions. Well, the detail that you're asking for and that the Commissioner was commenting on yesterday is yet to be considered by Cabinet. Uh, when it has been considered, we will announce it. Are you prepared to make a change that will see landlords receive a refund on interest deductibility? Our intention is to treat uh, the interest cost on mortgages for rental properties the same way those, those costs are treated for any other business in New Zealand, which is that they are deductible from those businesses. We're not going to be able to achieve that overnight to get back to 100% deductibility. That's simply not affordable. So it's our intention to phase that in over time. And you're confident, you're comfortable making that change that will benefit landlords at the same time as you're making a change that would see potentially 7,000 more children go into child poverty? I completely reject the assertions in your question. I think that actually ensuring uh, that we aren't adding a huge new cost and post onto landlords this year could actually see tenants benefiting most who might otherwise face uh, steeper hikes in their rents. And we are a government that is committed to getting children out of poverty. And I'll tell you the best way we have to do that, and that's to get more parents into work. Because ultimately, a life of benefit dependency is not the best result that we can deliver for children in poverty. Finance Minister Nicola Willis, thank you very much for your time this morning. You've been listening to Morning Report Top Stories. 